happening, everybody? We have a brand new episode of Crossed Up. I never fancied myself uh, much of a math guy, Anthony, but I believe that this is our third episode uh, during the month of July. We are rolling right now. Uh, th- th- you know, we've had these streaks before. We're, we're like Reese Hoskins, right? I mean, we go on, we, we go on when we're hot, we're hot, right? We're rolling and rolling and rolling. And then when we go through a lull, we are like 0 for 35, man. I mean, it's like <laughs> we go forever without without hitting a podcast. So, uh, yeah, we, we are emblematic of our franchise that we write, talk about. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. It, there's a lot to talk about right now with this team. And it, admittedly, I kind of feel like, you know, there was a, a little bit of a, a stretch there, like a six, seven-week stretch where you're just like, you know, yeah, obviously certain guys are getting hot. Certain guys are cold. There's things that are happening the day in, day out. I'm covering that, and, and we all see it. But really the storyline for that that period of time was much like the storyline of last season and the season before that. And it almost felt like we were just talking in circles, uh, you know, about the same thing again and again. And, and really, I guess it hasn't changed all that much, even with their recent play, uh, you know, being a little bit better and kind of pushing back into the playoff conversation. But – Last night, you know, we kind of get a vintage Phillies performance in that it looks like everything sets up favorably for them. And they have an opportunity to go up to the Bronx and and beat the Yankees and at least guarantee themselves a split. And then right around four o'clock yesterday afternoon, uh, all hell breaks loose again. And it's a situation where the Phillies, if they don't do anything else well, I'll tell you what they do well. They never let you feel too comfortable and they never let you feel too good for too long. I mean, Zach Eflin, uh, patella tendonitis, uh, a situation that he has dealt with previously. He's had surgery on both of his knees. Uh, You know, that is concerning. The Phillies don't seem to be overly concerned about it yet, but now he's on the I.L., then you obviously see uh, about a half hour before the game last night, Bailey Falter back on the COVID-related IL for the second time this month. Um, you know, it's it's not good, man. It's it's a it's a bad situation. Two more Phillies players posted on that COVID IL now. That's the hot topic of conversation. I mean, and and then you get Aaron Nola, who he was off for two weeks. The whole storyline was that he'll be able to reset. Here he comes after the All Star break. And things started well enough, but again, uh, they get nearly not not nearly enough from him on a night where they needed him desperately to come through. So here we are again. Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there, Bob. Uh, no doubt. Let's start. I'm going to I'm going to take them in the order that you brought them up. Uh, Zach Eflin, first and foremost. Um, yeah, I know he's had these these knee issues before. I, I get the sense if if you want my. Out, and this is an outsider's perspective, but at the same time, knowing how teams operate with injuries, right, um, in professional sports, not just baseball, but, you know, in all sports. Um, I, I kind of get the sense that this is one of those where they feel he needs a little bit of a, a breather. And maybe his knee's been bothering him a little bit, but it's something he's been able to pitch through. It's not that big of a deal. That's why they're saying they're, they're not too concerned. But maybe if they give him 10 days off, just kind of shut it down, relax, figure it out, because his last few starts have not been great. And then let's see if, let's see if you know, maybe the pain goes away a little bit. Maybe, you know, you don't, you're not worrying about it so much, Zach. Um, and then get back out there and do what you were doing earlier in the year. I think that could be uh, that could be the direction that the Phillies are kind of going in using what is a what is an injury. They're not making up an injury, but it's, you know, probably not 
IL worthy in normal circumstances, but using it as a way to kind of get the guy to relax and get, get himself back on track. Fair? I, I, kind of, I kind of wondered, right? So he had, I guess, back in the middle of June, a, a pretty tough start at San Francisco. He, he got hit around pretty good, but then he came back and he had three really good starts after that. Uh, he threw the ball well against the Mets, threw the ball well against, I believe it was the Padres. And then I think he went six shutout innings against the Cubs at Wrigley Field. So leading into the All-Star break, he actually strung together three really solid starts. But I do agree with you in the sense that obviously out of the All-Star break Friday night, they have an opportunity to complete the two-game sweep. uh, And he struggled. He goes three and two-thirds innings, gets banged around a little bit. He was up in the zone. He just wasn't very sharp in that particular game. And, you know, I, I don't know that that alone would be enough to kind of put him on the shelf, but... I will say, given his history of of knee troubles, given what he's dealt with in the past, I think it's a little bit more of a precautionary measure. If this was a different pitcher with a different injury history, they might say, hey, this is a, a, a point in the season where we've really got to bear down and go for it. We need you to kind of suck it up and deal with it. But maybe the Phillies are kind of looking at this and saying, this is a situation where maybe he misses one or two starts, as opposed to if we sort of force the issue, it turns into – a potential season ender. And I think that they have to obviously do everything possible to avoid that scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, as far as the COVID stuff, look, we dove into that pretty good last week. I mean, my, my opinion's not changed and your opinion's not changed on that. Right. I don't think um, anybody's opinions changed on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Nobody's opinion is changing. And that's part of the problem is, is the fact that even though that the, the Phillies, um, you know, we saw Marcus Hayes's piece that came out that said less than, 50% of the team is vaccinated, which is troubling. Um, and if you're going to contend for a playoff spot, I mean, you can't have these things cropping up. Now, again, personal choice, it's all well and good. Um, I, I just wish that the players' union wasn't as strong as it is because the solution ultimately is, you know what, your decision, you don't want to get vaccinated, that's fine. But if you have to go on that IL, you're not getting paid. Yeah. That's the ultimate solution. That's the one way to get the people to get, to get on board. So you know, you know what I find really intriguing about it? It's one thing for a guy like Aaron Nola. And I know a lot of fans will look at this and say, Aaron Nola, your, your clubhouse leaders, those are the guys that, if nobody else, they need to be vaccinated. They're your best players. You can't risk losing them for an extended period of time. And that may be true, but I actually think it's it's fairly intriguing to see when you get a guy like J.D. Hammer, who's working his way back into the, to the major league level. He's been, been away from the team now for a long time. He finally gets an opportunity and then boom, he's on the COVID related IL Bailey falter, a young player trying to make a, a name for himself, a guy who's done some really nice things on the field for this team over the last month or so. Boom. COVID related IL. It's like, it, it's a, it's a stunter. It's a stunter of growth. It's a stunner of opportunity. And when you're a guy fighting for that recognition, fighting for an opportunity and making a name for yourself to go out because of this is, is kind of like a baffling thing from a professional standpoint, as far as I'm concerned. Now, to be completely fair, we don't know the context around J.D. Hammer uh, and, and why he's on the COVID-related IL. We knew that Bailey Falter was out previously for the contact tracing element, which would lead us to believe just by deductive reasoning that he is unvaccinated. I don't know what the deal is with J.D. Hammer. Uh, you know, at this point, Given what we know about the Phillies and the reluctance across the board to be vaccinated, it's uh, it, you have to wonder. The, the other part of it that I think is interesting is that they're calling up players who are potentially unvaccinated. I, I'm actually a little bit surprised by that at this point. Or you know, and again, I'm, I'm 
to be fair, I don't know about JD Hammer. You know, like I don't want to. I, I shouldn't say that definitively, but here we are in a situation where you're like, man, like you have guys that are coming up and joining the team and they're being affected by this now. Uh, so it's, it's pretty wild. Now that being well, said, I, will, I will say the one thing with that is that, I mean, you, you heard them, um, Dave Dombrowski. I don't know if you heard him on John Clark's podcast um, where Clark asked him about if, you know, would you trade for a player who's unvaccinated? And he said, yeah, he would. I mean, he, you're going to make the decision. Obviously it's, it's, you know, you think about it and you, you weigh that as a, as something, but in the end, the decision that you make is going to be what's, what's best to, for the baseball team and not necessarily worrying about the vaccinations for that can knock a guy out for, you know, seven days, 10 days. Right. And we're going to do everything possible here to kind of keep this focused on the baseball element. We said what we had to say last week about it, but I posed a question yesterday on Twitter and it kind of got a mixed response. Some people thought it was ridiculous and some people said, well, that is something to consider. You know, the report from Marcus Hayes comes out uh, that, you know, roughly half or, or, you know, vaguely somewhere in the ballpark of half the Phillies tier one personnel are vaccinated. So, okay. That being said, We've seen now over the last two weeks uh, multiple instances in which this team has been impacted by their decisions. Do you think from a front office or ownership standpoint, if, like Marcus Hayes reported, that ownership is is scared or flabbergasted by the players' decisions, do, do you kind of think that that might impede them from making a deal or make them a little bit reluctant to say, like, listen, we don't know if this car is going to get to the finish line because it hasn't been properly maintained we're not going to go out and buy a new set of tires for it. We're not going to go out and, and add on to this because we don't trust that they're going to get there. And I don't just mean because of their, their talent deficiencies. I mean, because they're not doing everything they can, you know, like no matter how you look at it, they're not doing everything they can to win right now. Um, well, I mean, it's a good, it's a good question, Bob, but, but I, I don't think so. I think that, I think that they are going to try and improve this team. I really do. Um, and I have something I wanted to ask you about because I'm sure were you involved with the uh, and this kind of relates to that. Were you involved with the um, 45 minute Bryce Harper conversation yesterday? I wasn't. Um, I believe that was done with the reporters who were uh, in person uh, present. Yeah. OK. I didn't know if I didn't know if that was a, a, a Zoom thing or not. Yeah, okay. You know what? I, I don't know. And if, if honestly, if it was a Zoom thing, I was not privy to it. OK. All right. Because I found it interesting that you know, some small leaks have gotten out that there was conversation about the trade deadline and yet there were no stories about what Bryce Harper said. I mean, there, there are no quotes anywhere. I've not seen, looked everywhere this morning and I've not seen one thing. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe you, you've seen something and I haven't. Um, but, it, you know, it begs, it begs the question, you know, why not? Why haven't we heard anything yet? Like, what what was this? What was this big forty five minute powwow with the star player of the team about? I'm sure they got into a little bit of everything, and I'm sure that they got into the trade deadline and should they be improving the team? I'm sure they got into COVID. I'm sure they got into all these all these same questions, all these things we're talking about, and nothing is reported yet. Like that kind of surprises me. Is there a, is there a an agreement amongst the writers to embargo this for a day? You know, kind of thing. I mean, I you know I know that kind of stuff happens from time to time, and you know the the, the public doesn't want to hear that. The public doesn't want to hear, oh, you guys are all agreeing to wait to tell the story. Um, you know, but that does go on sometimes. I mean, you know, what do you, what is your sense on that? Because I, I have a feeling that Bryce wants to see this team do whatever it can do 
to have a shot to win this year, to take the shot. Take, you know, you you have the opportunity is in front of you. You do not pass it up and wait another year. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're obviously in position. They're two and a half games out. We've seen from the Mets more injuries recently. Uh, they have just played, they've played bad baseball really over the last two weeks. They escaped uh, Cincinnati with a win on Monday night in a game where Jared Eikhoff got absolutely pummeled. They played terrible defense behind him. Uh, they lose on Tuesday night. You see, they lose two out of three uh, to the Pirates. You know, the Nationals, I am not a buyer in or a believer in. Um, you know, I just I look at this and things remain wide open for the Phillies. And I do believe that they're in a position where the ownership level uh, is is going to be motivated to add. I believe that this front office, Dave Dombrowski, said as much in the John Clark podcast is going to add. That is my expectation. It's just interesting, though, as you see all of this stuff unfold. Um, you know, it gives you kind of something to think about. It's just like one added layer, one extra variable as to what what will this team do? And here's just yet another roadblock. And speak, speaking of roadblocks, you know, they go into New York last night and they're favored to beat the Yankees for, for whatever that's worth. They have Aaron Nola on the mound. Uh, they're they're facing a, a pitcher in uh, Herman who is just has not been very good lately. And it was about as frustrating of a loss as you're going to see from this team. Again, uh, a bad defense in a big spot. Aaron Nola can't bear down in a key spot, gives up a home run to Brett Gardner, 37-year-old Brett Gardner at three homers and 200 at-bats this season. And bullpen can't hold it. They don't get the key hit. 11 guys left on base. I mean, it was it was all there last night for the Phillies. Yeah, well, I wanted to address a few. I mean, we, you know, we the two things, the points that you had, you know, just to finish on from earlier. I mean, one, you know, Bailey Falter probably comes into the game yesterday if he's not, um, if he's not put on the COVID IL. Instead, you got to have Kinsler come in, and he gives up the home run to uh, to Stanton, and then De Los Santos comes in. I mean, those guys are probably behind Bailey Falter, and De Los Santos gives up the home run to Florial. Who's, who's a lefty, at least in that case, you're probably Falter, Florial, lefty, lefty, right? In that spot. Um, so, I mean, th- there that impacted the outcome of the game in a, in a, in a small way. Um, Nola, who, who you mentioned, look, I, I looked at Nola's start last night, and I thought the first four innings were fine. I thought he was, he was typical Aaron Nola through, through the first four, you know, four, even the fifth inning wasn't terrible. Um, yeah, the home run to, you know, Didi's error is a killer. Um, and then the home run to Gardner. But I, even the home run to Gardner, I look at and say, that's freaking Yankee Stadium, man. I mean, that's anywhere, any other state ballpark, that's a lazy fly out can of corn to, to the right fielder. Okay. Uh, and only in Yankee Stadium is that a home run. Okay, fine. I, it's frustrating. It's it's disappointing. You would like Nola to strike out a 190 hitter and not let him hit a ball to the warning track. But at the same time, I could kind of get past that when, you know, gritting my teeth a little bit. It's the sixth inning when they put him when Girardi says to him, OK, go back out. You're you're one of my best pitchers. Our bullpen is light as it is. Go back out there and get this job done. And you go back out in the sixth inning and you basically implode in that inning. That's where I have a problem with Nola. And, and I think that that's that's what. You know, I'm sure, you know, I know that you wrote a, a, a column about Nola this morning that probably wasn't too kind to him. Um, and I, I got to think that that's where it stems from for you as well. Yeah, I mean, I, certainly the sixth inning is, is, is probably the thing that, that jumps out and you kind of look at it and say, like, this is this is not good enough. You know, 
listen, the first four innings, he, he limits them to one run and he pitches out of a couple jams and, and does a fairly nice job. Um, that being said, though, beginning of the fifth inning, his pitch counts already into the, the low 80s. And, and you knew right from the start last night that he wasn't going to give you the length that you really needed. Like last night was a night where you really needed seven strong and mm-hmm. you kind of see the trajectory of that start. It wasn't going to get there. You know, you, you started to think like maybe possibly he can give you six. And as far as the fifth inning goes in a vacuum, and, I, and I, this is what I wrote in a vacuum. I don't think that you can be overly critical of what happened to Aaron Nola in the fifth inning. I mean, Didi Gregoras throws a grenade, a 40 foot grenade past Ronald Torres when it looks like Nola might bear down and get out of that inning. You know, even if he just eats the ball, it just changes the, the entire complexion. Like, I know mm-hmm. that, that Gardner comes up and ends up homering, so it ends up being an earned run anyway. The run would have scored with two outs. But, you know, it just – at that point, it just it changes the entire look and feel of the inning. So, not only do you have to deal with that, but then Brett Gardner, to your point, StatCast says that ball had an expected batting average of 0.50, as in mm-hmm. 050. It mm-hmm. would have only left one major league stadium, and that stadium, of course, is Yankee Stadium. So, I mean, it's certainly the, the data validates what you just said. He ran into some terrible luck. You still don't want to see him hang a pitch up in the zone that allows Gardner to elevate like that. Like, you have to know what you're working with in that stadium. It was not a good pitch, it was not the right spot for it. But Okay, fine. Then you come back out in the sixth, though, and, and right. Gary Sanchez hits one to the fucking moon. Yes. And, and then the double to follow it. I mean, and, and Alvarado does his tightrope walk and gets out of it and all fine and well, but just not enough. Again, not enough. You're talking about five and one thirds innings, four earned runs. Go back to June 1st now, eight starts, a 6 1 0 ERA. Opponents are slugging 5 36 against Aaron Nola. Yeah, eight starts they are hitting 289 against them. I mean, the, the bottom line is this. We can talk about the trade deadline. We can talk about the Mets sucking. We can talk about COVID vaccines. We can talk about all of this shit. But if Aaron Nola can't figure it out this season and good pitchers go through bad seasons, take a look at Cole Hamels in 2009. Mm-hmm. Remember the infamous, like, I just can't wait for this to be over in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah. Aaron Nola probably feels that way right now. But if he can't figure this shit out, you know, unfortunately for the Phillies, they're in a spot where they're not good enough to overcome that. They're just no. not. No, they need they're going to need Aaron Nola to at least be a two. He doesn't necessarily have to get back to ace level. It would be nice if he did, but they need him to at least be a two the rest of the year. If they can't if he can't be a two, then no matter what they go out and do here at the deadline, it's probably not going to be enough. It's, it's funny because these guys have put together starts, including Zach Eflin, you know, and, and Zach Wheeler is a, a different story. I mean, he's just been he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this season. But, you know, Vince Velasquez has had his moments. Zach Eflin has had his moments this year. Aaron Nola's had his moments. Matt Moore isn't going to give you five or six innings usually, but he's, you know, since he's rejoined the rotation, he's giving you those four, four-plus inning starts where he at least gives you a chance. They've all had their moments, and we've kind of worked ourselves into this. Like, the Phillies' playoff run will be predicated upon the strength of those first three starting pitchers. But when you start to look at the numbers and you just kind of step back and take that season-wide look at it now, these numbers aren't that good. No. You know, Zach Eflin's pitching in the mid-fours. Aaron Nola's up to four six four now. Vince Velasquez, over five. I mean, you take away Vince Velasquez starts against the Marlins this year. And his numbers are just dreadful. Dreadful, yeah. 
So, you know, you start to work yourself into this. And like, that's the thing about baseball. That's the thing about the Phillies. You can kind of feel good about where they're at. You can kind of feel like you're in a positive or heading in a positive direction. Then you watch a game like that last night and you step back and you start to think about some of the other things that they're dealing with now. And you go, I don't know, man. You know, these trade deadline acquisitions can't be Heath Henry and Brandon Workman. Like, they've got to be meaningful. They've got to be team changers. Yeah. They need more juice. They yeah. can do it, but they need a real jolt. They, they probably need two or three jolts. Well, that's why, that's why I was interested in what Harper had to say, because I, I guarantee that there was some conversation about his, his boy, uh, Chris Bryant, um, you know, his Las Vegas buddy. And if you're talking Cubs, you got to talk about Craig Kimbrell. And, you know, it's interesting when Dombrowski on Clark's podcast, you know, he basically said, look, we're not trading either of our last two first round picks. You know, Mick Abel, obviously, uh, they look at as a future number one um, and, and Painter. Uh, obviously, the, the, you know, they liked him a lot to draft him where they did. So um, those guys are probably not in the conversation. But when he says we still have prospects that teams like. It, Bob, is it possible when you know, we're sitting here trying to find who those prospects are because the Phillies farm system is not very good, but is it possible we're not thinking about the right people and, and instead it's people who've already made their major league debuts? Are we? Is it possible that the guys that it would take to get Craig Kimbrell or Chris Bryan or, or anybody else at the Phillies try to trade might actually be somebody like Spencer Howard or might actually be somebody like Alec Bohm? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you are talking about if you're if you're entertaining that idea, of we're going to go in and, you know, we're going to really try to make a push here, like a meaningful push. What, what do the Phillies have by way of ammunition to do these deals? And and really, yeah, like they do have some intriguing prospects at high A, you know, like those guys do exist. But when you're when you're really surveying what they have to give here. Boom, Howard, you know. I would say even it's, it's kind of funny. We just talked about them, but like you're talking about young controllable guys with some upside, like a guy like belly falter, like these mm-hmm. are guys that, that would present value that would be intriguing to other teams. And, you know, it's something that you got to think about. I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills when it comes to Chris Bryant. Like I know that he is certainly a, an upgrade to what they currently have. Um, but like, is that the deal? Like, so Alec Bohm, I'm underwhelmed by. We've talked about Alec Bohm and some of the concerns, lack of power, if he's going to be a corner infielder or eventually move out to left field, you know, but you're talking about a guy that, that has shown an ability to hit a little bit at the major league level. He's still very young. He's got the tools to do it. Are you going to trade Alec Bohm for, for two months of Chris Bryant? I mean, there's no control behind this year. And do you like Chris Bryant enough that you'd say like, let's just get him in the red pinstripes. And then maybe we'll lock him up for a, a you know, hundred million dollar plus deal. Like, well, I mean, there's two there's two ways of looking at that, Bob. I mean, and 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 the way I look at it is this: one, you know, I'm probably not trading Bohm straight up for Bryant. Like, no, I'm probably not doing that. Um, although I can see them saying, since Bryant and Harper are so close and they're so friendly, that maybe Bryant figures out a way to work out a deal that makes sense for him to stay and play with one of his best friends for the next for three years, four years, whatever. Okay. So fine. But I think that I, I wouldn't mind giving up a bone if I'm getting Kimbrell and Bryant, you know what I'm saying? If I get, if I get both and yeah, I know it's going to, I know it's not just going to be Alec bone for both of those guys. You're probably going to have, but if it's like bone and falter and like a single a guy, you know, or two single a guys for those two, 
yeah, I'd do it. I, I would do it because I, I think that 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 fills two needs, one glaring need and one that's not as glaring, but one that can help for sure. Yeah, I think Kimbrell would change the dynamics of the conversation for me. Like, I, I can't say, like, hey, trading Alec Boom for Chris Bryant straight up for the 2021 Phillies to make the playoffs is a smart move. I just don't think I can wrap my head around that. But when you look at the multi-year need that the Phillies have had at the back of the bullpen and a need that they will presumably have again next season, mm -hmm. that would certainly solve the issue. And at that point, I think it's something that you kind of have to consider. Um, the other variable in this is that you look ahead to next year and Bryson Stott has sort of worked himself into a top 100 prospect situation here. He's a guy that I would assume that the Phillies like certainly him and Bryce Harper have their little, uh, you know, friendship and all their mm -hmm. roomy homers and all that stuff on Twitter. So now you look at what they have coming into next season and you have Gene Segura, you have Didi Gregorius, you have Bryson Stott who will be ready to play. Like, can he play at the major league level? I don't know, but his prospect path would expect you would expect him to be up here. So not that you can't move Gregorius, not that you couldn't possibly move Segura this off season, but in theory, you have a spot there, you know, yeah. um, unless you move Bohm to first and, you know, then, then Hoskins becomes the DH. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that this could go, but the point remains that Bryson Stott factors in here. So could you lose Alec Bohm in the short term and just sort of plug in Bryson Stott and, just work what you have with your remaining infielders? Like, I guess so. You know, so I guess it's something that they're going to have to consider. Um, but, you know, the one thing that is absolutely certain here is that the Phillies don't have enough is currently constructed to make the playoffs. It doesn't matter how bad the Mets are, what their deficiencies are. It doesn't matter that Ronald Acuna is out for the year. Like, the Phillies have to add if they're going to make a run here. Uh, and they have nine days to kind of figure this out. It's just, it's very, very strange. You can't go day to day with baseball. Like you can't talk about what a team should do after a good win or after a good series and then totally pivot away from it 24 hours later when they go lay a stink bomb against the Yankees. But last night, like, you know, like last week we talked about like, yeah, can they do it? I'm a little bit lukewarm on the idea. And it's nights like last night that kind of bring me back to that. No, yeah, you're, you're right. But I think that at this point, Nine days out, two and a half games out. I think you just have to at this point. I think, I think, and it's, and it's a situation where you have to, not just on the periphery. I think you have to, and if it means going past that luxury tax, you do. I, I, I can't stress enough, Bob. And so I, I have this argument with people all the time because I still think I'm in a minority when I when I talk about the Phillies winning the division, um, even though there's there's starting to be some. Um, numbers that are starting to support my argument i think what baseball reference has been a 40 percent chance of of winning i was wondering division. if you got an editorial side gig at baseball right I, I know i know they should sean foreman should give me a gig there um no but um uh you know the more i talk to people about it you know and they're like wow they're, this team's just not good enough to do anything and i keep saying this like you win the division you're playing Milwaukee in the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I, Milwaukee does not scare me. I mean, they got a couple good pitchers. They have a oh, couple guys that are good in the bullpen, but their lineup is is a bunch of nobodies. You know, Yelich is, is a star, but he's having a bad year. And a bunch of nobodies. Like, you can beat that team, and then you get to the – you suddenly find yourself in the NLCS. And, yeah, you're probably an underdog against any of the three teams from the National League West. But it doesn't matter if you're an underdog at that point. You are four wins from the World Series. Yeah. Why, why would you not be willing to go over the luxury tax 
here at the deadline if to, to put yourself in a position to be there. I think that you have to look at it and say, this is a window. It may not be the, the big window we thought it was going to be, but it's certainly a window. We've got to try and get through it. This is John Middleton's rock star moment, right? Yeah, yeah. He signs Bryce Harper. He does the media tour. NBC Sports Philly does the rain delay theater, the signing Harper, and he's loving himself. And he's like, I got him. I went out and I reeled in the big fish. Look at me. The Phillies are back, baby. And it hasn't materialized. And he spent money and he's made a lot of bad decisions, but he has spent some money. But here you are. And, and you, in your mind, think when you're building this team, we've got these guys, we have some minor league pieces coming up, and Scott Kingery, we're going to be good for five years. We're really back to the next era of, of good Phillies baseball. It hasn't gone the way that he envisioned it. But you're right. They have an opportunity here. And if he really wants to kick down the damn door, he can go over the luxury tax. He can make the move. Like, it's not the path that you had envisioned, but it's still a path. And it's a, it's a, a path that you can traver- traverse. So yeah. this is his moment. And if he wants to get real and, and you know, get his effing trophy back or try to get his effing trophy back in earnest, then, you know, it's time, dude. And the one thing I'll say is that they haven't leaked that, you know, the last couple of years we've heard that uh, they won't go over the tax. You know, that like the, the reporters on a national level have kind yeah. of put that out there. We haven't heard that yet. And maybe they maybe that's still the philosophy, but I think it's kind of interesting that we're now within a week, they've gotten themselves back into this, and we haven't heard that yet. You and know, I, maybe it's maybe it's possible, Bob, that they haven't decided yet if they're willing to do that. Well you know what I'm saying, which is I mean, which the is, difference between which isn't great either, but the difference between two games out and, and five games out is, is meaningful, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, it was a nice job for two weeks, but if they go out and they, they get swept by the Yankees and stumble a little bit, like Matt Moore goes out and gets cranked by the Braves on Thursday night. And all of a sudden you're five out. Like, yeah. Like you can't react day to day. Like I said before, but the like, math is math, you know, mm-hmm. the difference between being two and three games out negligible. The difference, though, between being, you know, two games out and, and five and a half games out, yeah, like, you got to consider that, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, it, sh- it should be interesting because, uh, I, you know, we talk about obvious need in the back end of the bullpen. And, you know, we, we mentioned Chris Bryant, but, it, you know, they're going to need at least, at least one more starting pitcher, um, if not two. And I don't know where, um, where you get to. Coming from. Well, I mean, you know, where's it all this? Where's all this happening? You know, how's all this happening? Because, uh, you know, Matt Moore has been fine the last few starts, and like you said, Velasquez has had his moments, especially against the Marlins. Um, but he can't pitch against the Marlins all year. I, there's just part of me that that cringes when I think that you're in a playoff race, you're pushing for the pennant, and you have forty percent of your starts coming from Matt Moore and Vince Velasquez. And, and that, that's a concern. Not only that, but now for at least for the next two weeks, at least through the remainder of July, you don't have Zach Eflin okay, and right, you have exactly. Aaron Nola that you just don't know what you're going to get, uh, you know, on any given night. I mean, it's uh, it's it's tough, man. That's a it's a tough way to win. That's a tough way to kind of wrap your mind around it. And like you're right, yeah. I think that they do. I think they need two starting pitchers, and then I think you need obviously that back end of the bullpen piece. So then you take those things and those needs. And then we're talking about Chris Bryant and, and Starling Marte. And like, I, that's where I just, I haven't personally entertained the, the position player upgrade because 
the other upgrades are so pressing and yeah these may be aggressive and may go over the luxury tax and may be willing to win but like are they making four separate deals here to to do everything that they need to do i mean maybe but i mean i it's funny to think that you that you sit here and say the phillies could could potentially use five players yeah, right? I mean, for, they four pitchers over one fifth of their entire roster. <laughs> they could potentially, but how are you doing that? I don't. I like. I don't think that there's. You know, we, we know that they want to get creative with the potential of moving uh, major league quality prospects already. Um, but man, I don't think you have enough in your system to get five players. I really just don't see it. You know, especially when you're talking about a guy like Marte. He's got an. He's got another year, right? On his, or is he a free agent at the end of this year? I think he's got another year. Yeah, I uh, actually am not positive. I think he's they, – they, the Marlins are trying to do a, a deal, right? Like, they had actually talked about, hey, like, let's let's try to work something out. And they, I guess, just didn't really get too far. And, and that's why they would entertain that conversation. Yeah. But again, like, I know that they traded JT Real Muto to the Phillies previously. But, like, they're at a different point in their rebuild now. Like, they're getting right. closer. Like, are you going to trade that guy to a division? I mean, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how you do that. He is an unrestricted free agent. Okay, so he is UFA. All right. So, I mean, he's – Maybe won't be as much then. You know, yeah, I don't know what the, the market for a player like him is, but uh, it's something that they would have to consider, I, I guess. I mean, they they do need, though, multiple pieces. And, you know, if Aaron Nola went out last night through six innings, one run ball, Phillies win 3-2, maybe a different, maybe a different look this morning, but – they have a lot of questions. Like I said, they just don't – they do not allow you to feel too good for too long. That is one thing for sure with this team. It, it's definitely, it's definitely a uh, soap opera, that's for sure. It's our, um, verse, it's our soap opera. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. I don't know if you have anything else, but given that we're kind of firing these things out on a, well, you know, twice-a-week basis all of a sudden, I don't feel the need to go 55 minutes with you today. No, I'm good. I'm good here. This is a good, yeah. this is a good spot. So, I mean, stay tuned. Uh, we will be back, you know, certainly before the trade deadline or if the Phillies make uh, a move ahead of the trade deadline, we'll come back and, uh, you know, react to that and, and keep it going that way. But uh, for uh, Anthony Sam Filippo, I am Bob Wankel. This is Crossed Up. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.